everybody. It's Radio Trivia Podcast Edition, episode 133. And with us, we have returning champion, Steven Rodriguez. Returning champion. I like that. That's good. <laughs> so you're a champ, right? <laughs> I'm eternally a champion. Well, uh, we got a good lineup here. I, I got to apologize uh, for the delay in recording this um, between just getting some family business taken care of and vacation. It just... Uh, haven't gotten around to recording with these recently. So, oh, well, we're back. And uh, Steven picked out, I think, three of the games this time. So he's sort of playing along, but uh, not entirely. Well, I'm the champion, um, so I kind of have to defend against uh, any new contestants that are out there. It's like Jeopardy, right? Right, yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> So, for those who haven't uh, heard this podcast before, we pick songs from games, and you've got to figure out what game it is based on the music. That's how it goes. We have a hint question to help you out after the second song and before the third song. But other than that, it's pretty straightforward. Uh, Hopefully, you'll enjoy it. Uh, Let's get started with the first game. Let's do it.
the fun song there, partner. That's a good, that's a good start. Yeehaw.
is the horse podcast, right? The horse cast? <laughs> That's a horse, right? <laughs> Anyways, uh, hint question, I think. Yes. Go for it. What well-known film director came up with the idea for this game?
A cookie soundtrack. It's really good, though. They might have mixed the uh, animal. Uh, I don't know if you call them animal noises. The, the voice is a little higher in that rendition of it than in the game. But because uh, I didn't really remember them, but uh, well, yeah, I went back they, to play they, this game. Yeah, it's uh, in there. It, it is in there. I went back and played the game just to remind myself. I'm like, oh yeah, that's it's in there. Okay, cool. Uh, yeah, this game is Boom Blocks for the Wii, the, the first release. And damn, it's a crazy game. As you just heard. That third song reminds me of Mario Twins from Group X. If anyone knows what I'm talking oh, about. Mario Twins. <laughs> oh, that brings me back. <laughs> yeah, Boomblox. Uh, I still play this. I've got a friend who actually uh, she tested the second one, uh, the sequel, which is... Uh, what's the sequel? Yeah, Boombox Bash Party is the sequel to Boombox. Uh, but yeah, I take my uh, Wii over there and she says, hey, let's play Boombox. So we play it you know, once every couple weeks. Cool. And I'm still way better than her. Because I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm a champion, apparently. You're the champ. Yeah, but... You're the dude. Uh, I, I think, I think the, the surprising thing about the music... Because uh, I was just sitting here listening to it, and I was like, yeah, I, like, I know this is in the game, but it's, it's kind of subtle. It's kind of secondary to the gameplay. Mm-hmm. It, it's, it's, it's like when you're actually playing the game and... and There's uh, a lot of sound effects that are layered on top of the music, too, unless you dial down the sound effects right, and the options, right. so... But, uh, but yeah, I mean, as far as the game itself, I mean, I remember um, the Wii was still, we were still figuring out the whole thing about the Wii remote and the, the wrist strap and all that stuff. <laughs> yes, I this tell is the game you use the wrist strap. This is the game you <laughs> use the wrist strap for. <laughs> oh, man. Yes. You don't have to feel ashamed on this one. No. Uh, well, like I said, I, I went back and played this real quick, just, just to jog my memory, and I, I realized I didn't play, like, the single-player content at all. I, I only played, like, the co-op and competitive. I, I think I barely scratched the surface There's of this game, to be frank. I, I really feel like... Yeah, I know. I feel like i got to go back and, and play this more. Maybe. I mean, this would be a good one to play with Jenny. So, I, I'm thinking um, we should dust this one off. But I was also thinking this would be a really good pick for the Wii re-releases on Wii U. Yeah. Because um, this is definitely the sort of game where you, you want it on the system, I mean that—that's a really—it's a good game just to you know throw in there for a little party for a little while, you know. And I, and I could see that as being a really handy thing to just have installed and on system at all times. So, um, if Nintendo and EA were uh, interested in patching things up at all, this would be a great place to start. Yeah, I—I I obviously wouldn't buy it, but I would definitely recommend it to anybody seeking games to play on their Wii U. If you, if you yeah. missed this game, or um, obviously the sequel, really need to check this out. You know, Wii Remote's lying around, and a lot of friends. Mm-hmm. The this uh, the multiplayer, the, I mean, there are a lot of different ways to play the game. Obviously, the uh, primary way is you throw balls at, at towers, and you try to knock blocks off, mm-hmm. and uh, you score points. Or your wrist. <laughs> your forearm. And, you know, the, obviously the big goal is to try to hit the blocks off in a certain way so that when your turn comes up, you hit that block that sent the whole tower tumbling down. Uh, but it's not just towers, too. I mean, they've got different games where you, like, hit a block and you fling it into a target, and the target's got different multipliers. And then there's the whole other aspects of the game where you pick stuff out like Jenga, right. and you shoot bowling balls try to knock gems off of fortresses and there are, this is a very very versatile game I mean it's just all the same physics engine and concept basically mm-hmm. but 
you get in there, you know, geez, even the, the level creator, you can set up all sorts of Rube, uh, Rube Goldberg, Rube Goldberg, that it? Something like that. Yeah, the this goes into that, and this cow blows up, and then that chicken walks <laughs> yeah. over, and it, it's, it's, it, I mean, I don't think I'd ever get that into it with the level editor, but people have. And, you know, there's some really crazy stuff out there. Hmm. Is that was in the original, that level of that level order? Yeah. That, yeah. Um, all the, yeah, all the different animal characters. Because I'm, like, I'm looking at the cover, you got, like, the monkey and the sheep yes, and the penguin. the art design is probably the weakest part of this game. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but all those individual animals have different traits. So, um, oh. things can... You can have them react based on certain things, like every... Think like the penguin does this when this happens. It's, it's a rudimentary uh, programming kind of thing almost, but mm. it's all within the physics engine, so you can make crazy stuff basically. Were the animals ever a part of the single player campaign? No, I mean they're they're in the background in case yeah. you air quotes accidentally hit one of them with a ball and they go fly off and they die. Hate that freaking beaver! Get kill that beaver! <laughs> Was it a beaver? Squirrel? Squirrel, it, beaver. I mean, it's a Whatever. There. Yeah, this is one to check out, though. I, I don't... I, it seemed like it was fairly popular, but it may have only been popular within a, a small circle. Um, I, I don't. I didn't get a good sense of just how... Uh, I, I thought it, it did actually do quite well. I mean, obviously it wouldn't have if, if they didn't make the sequel, so... Boom blocks. Definitely one of the better third-party releases for the system. And we have to thank one Mr. Hollywood film director for mm. pitching this idea, Mr. St- Steven Spielberg. Would you believe it? How, how involved was he in actually the marketing spin in the reality? It's hard to tell. I mean, they claim that he was engaged and had like weekly conference calls and ideas. And I don't think do. it was. I, don't, I highly doubt it was that engaged, but we do know he definitely came up with the concept and it, he definitely had some just checking in on the development because he wanted to see how it... Because he was going to put his name on it, so you kind of have right. to... And in fact, there it is, the top of the box, a Steven Spielberg game. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. you're you're not just going to be just a executive producer in credit only. He actually kind of was involved in the game enough to... Tim, just to make sure it was kind of how he envisioned it. And, you know, it came out pretty damn good. Alrighty, well, we're going to go on to the second game. The first one, obviously, was a Wendy's request. Mm-hmm. But um, the next one is a listener request. So you can thank Simon Sweeker. I apologize to mispronounce your name there. But, uh, Simon Sweeker requested this next game. Thanks, Simon Sweeker.
Sinister little song there. A little bit. Are you totally stumped thus far? I am. Here's your hint question. All right. What animated creature livens up the main menu screen? Hmm.
Well, my friend, do you have any idea what game this might be? Uh, no idea on the game. Um, but I was really just trying to figure out what system it might be on. It kind of sounds SNES. Yep. Yeah. yeah. It's a Super Nintendo game. <sighs> the only thing I can think of, as far as the hint question, that it has to do with some sort of spider. Hmm. So, so you, have, you don't have any idea like what genre or series or whatever this game might be part of? No, I really don't know. Oh, I, I hid this well then. I, I thought it would jump out like a, a sore thumb. This is Super Star Wars Return of the Jedi for the Super Nintendo. Uh-huh. And if you listen to the second song, there's definitely music that shows up in the yeah, movies. Now and the third one has it. a little bit of the main uh, Jedi theme in it. That's it. I. It's like the song was going for it, and then it kind of changed at the end. I was like, no, like... There's something familiar there, but it doesn't <laughs> sound quite the same. Yeah. yeah, you're right. So it is. Yes, I played a Jedi trick on you then. <laughs> so, <laughs> so yeah, it's Super Star Wars: Return of the Jedi, which I don't. I think there was at least one released before this game on the Super Nintendo. Um, I'm not positive on that, but I'm pretty sure this isn't the only Super Star Wars game on the system. And um, I guess it's. Primarily, kind of an uh, action platformer. Yeah. And uh, generally, you have your choice of one or two heroes for a given segment. That you know, the game follows the film, right? So the first level or scene or whatever really is uh, you going to into. Uh, I guess it's like outside before they get to Jabba the Hutt's whatever party layer area. But um, so depending on what part of the movie it's based on, you have different characters you play as. And so that, that's kind of cool because it seems like they have different move sets. Um, and if I'm not mistaken, they may even change the costumes, even for the same character. Yeah. Uh, as it, like I think like in the first one you can play as Leia, but she's like dressed up like that alien in disguise. Oh yeah, 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 like that uh, kind of bounty hunter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And then later she's <laughs> yeah. in the, her skimpy outfit. And I think she might even play differently. I'm not sure. I haven't played this game, but I watched some videos and read a little bit about it. So it seems like it's a pretty cool adaptation of the movie as insofar as they could do back in the day. I mean, yeah, okay, so maybe it wasn't so much an action platformer in the movie, but um, in terms of using the characters and, and pulling out scenes um, and narrative from, from the movie, it seems to do a better job than you know a lot of licensed games that just sort of take it in name only or whatever yeah. and uh, run with it. So I was actually pretty impressed there. I, I don't no idea if the actual game is fine. It, it seems like it at least has a variety of moves. So, it, you know, even if the level design's crappy, it, it seems like there's at least some value in there. D- did these games come out on Wii? Did, did, were they released on Virtual Console? I, I seem to remember yes. a big to-do. Um, so, you know, maybe I should have checked that out then. I'm, I'm the, checking the, it right now. Yes, they were August 2009. Super Star Wars on Virtual Console Wii. So you can at least uh, use the Wii Virtual Console to, to check these out if you want. And get hyped for the new Star Wars movies coming out. Oh, you know what? That would be a good excuse to release these things on Wii U. Yeah. Um, if they're, if they're going to do a campaign, they could do something like that. They could dust off that uh, half-finished uh, Rogue Leader game or whatever trilogy that was uh, rumored a while back. Uh, not just rumored. I think that the the Factor Five folks uh, basically said after the fact they were working on it. I'd love to play that again. Yeah. 
But uh, now I'm just making shit up. So um, to answer the question, uh, what animated creature livens up the main menu screen? It's basically a static screen, but then right on top of like the you know new game continue you know, little menu in the box, there's that weird Muppet ish thing that I guess his name I looked this up. It, it's Salacious B Crumb. The it's like a weird lizard guy that is um, Jabba the Hutt's jester. He just sort of laughs at everything in the movie. <laughs> oh, yeah, that guy. <laughs> that guy, yeah. So he's just sort of sitting there chuckling at you uh, <laughs> on the main menu, which I thought was pretty funny. So so I thought it was worth highlighting in the question there. <laughs> yeah, so that's Super Star Wars Return of the Jedi. Yes, you can play as an Ewok. Oh, moving on. This is another listener request that happened to also be requested by our good friend Steven Rodriguez. So here we go. Go for it. snow on the east coast and here in southern california it's perfect actually it's raining isn't it yeah it's it's not perfect but it'll be perfect tomorrow (laughs) 
I got a question for you. I should have checked the facts with you before I wrote this, but here we go. Okay. Just just guns a blazing here. In rescue mode, what is your goal? Thank you. 
folks know what it is this is the most excellent most excellent tetrasphere for the nintendo 64 i gotta tell you when you watching videos i can't figure out how the hell this game works can you please explain it to me okay well it's actually quite simple in the fact that it looks extremely complicated but effectively you've got a ball or at least it looks like a ball and it's filled with uh, you know layers of Tetris pieces or Tetris isk pieces, and uh, the idea is, is that you need to start peeling these pieces away by dropping a piece down onto similar. You match three basically. Match three what though? The similar pieces, so they're touching so each other. So ba- based on the shape. Yeah, the shape. So there's like you know there's like the squares and the the vertical lines and the horizontal lines and the L pieces and T pieces, but they also have like a like a three, like a little L, and they've got like other non-standard Tetris pieces, because it didn't actually start as a Tetris game, uh, but it got sort of picked up the license later in life. Uh, it actually started as, a, would you believe this, an Atari Jaguar game. What? Yeah, called Fear. Oh my god. Yeah. So that's a, that's a neat little, little uh, history lesson for you guys who love this game as much as I do. But the idea of the game is to basically dig down start peeling off pieces, clearing pieces. There's also, uh, as you clear pieces and combos, you pick up little magic uh, abilities, which is basically just a a way to blast and clear pieces out of there even faster. Like, you know, there's like a stick of dynamite magic, and you do that, five sticks of dynamite come down, and whatever it hits, it just clears any of those blocks out of the way. And eventually, you get to the core of the sphere, which can be anywhere from two to five layers deep. And, like, the question is, in rescue mode, you're trying to get enough of the core cleared away so that you can have your little friendly guy with eyeballs escape and you move on to the next level. Yeah, you'd think this game was made by Rare based on the uh, googly eye characters in the (laughs) middle of these spheres. But it wasn't. It was made by H2O. Published uh, by Nintendo, wasn't it? Yes, it was, I believe. Alright, and we we do need to mention the soundtrack, a a Neil Voss special. Our friend Neil Voss, who did uh, New Tetris as well. Yep. Yep, that was the other game. I I thought we had used this game as well, but I think we've just used New Tetris. Uh, But, yeah, like, the music... Like, I think... Kind of retrospectively, this might have been one of the first Zen out games, if you know what I'm talking about. Just really good music, and you sit down, and if you get a really meaty level, and you're spending 10-15 minutes working on this thing, you you can you can bliss out sometimes and like get in the zone, like really locked in and focused. And depending on the music track you get, there are sort of like the more soothing epic kind of music, and then there's like the really manic, really jumpy, bumpy kind of music. Yeah. And um, then there's the secret music, which is mandatory as far as you having to... There's like a secret code you enter. Game Boy with the alien head for an A. And you get some extra special kind of retro-y 8-bit inspired music 
Yeah. Uh, which is a lot of it's really good. It's even better than some of the stock music, I think. A couple of them in particular. Um, but yeah, I've actually been playing this one. Uh, I started replaying this about a month ago. And it's, it's um, you know, I, I, it's actually kind of funny. I started playing it. I've been doing the first couple of levels on Rescue. Uh, there's another mode called Hide and Seek, which is pretty much the same thing. And like, oh, you know, this is easy. So I jumped ahead a couple levels. I was like, yeah, no, it's still pretty easy. There's one tried to, uh, right to the last levels. Like, okay, this is not easy. <laughs> it, 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 like the, there's a timer. You have to drop a piece. It's like Tetris, like, you know, the different shaped pieces. You have, like, your next column. Like, these are the pieces that are coming up next. And in later levels, they put more of the pieces on the sphere at a time. So in the first two levels, there's only, like, two pieces you have to worry about. And then it goes, you know, three or four. And then the, la the last couple of uh, episodes, they call them, uh, I think they have, like, five or six different pieces. And that, down at a time? Well, no, no, no. Just different types on the sphere that you have oh, to I clear see. away. And you have to match the same type. Yeah, three of the same type touching. Oh, jeez. Yeah, and that's obviously much more difficult since there's a lot more of every piece. There's fewer places where they all match up. So the first thing is frantically rotating the sphere around to try to find a spot mm -hmm. where you can play a piece. But the other problem is that because there aren't that many pieces put together you're not really clearing that much out at a time. And in those la uh, later levels, that timer is just going so fast and you refill it by clearing pieces and you can refill it faster by uh, clearing uh, special, they call them power pieces, which are sort of like a, kind of a crystally, glowy kind of piece. And uh, the, the other neat thing about Tetrasphere too, and I think this is part of the, what makes it kind of unique, uh, you know, just besides the whole sphere and you're digging down, is that you're not just passively placing pieces down, you're also dragging pieces on the sphere around. So Ooh. if two pieces aren't quite touching, or they're like, if you have two squares, both of their edges have to be lined up exactly, you can't just kitty-corner it, you can, you can physically drag that piece somewhere around, and if it's a power piece, you can actually move it up a level as you're dragging it, in case it's like underneath something. And then you can start moving the pieces around a little bit just to get those extra combos and to kind of link up to big chunks of pieces and clear things in a certain way. And the concept of you uh, being able to move and drag pieces like that, that ultimately helps build up your, your score combo, because there are a couple different ways you can, you can do that. And you really have to be on the ball. Uh, to really get those pieces going, because you, have, you only have so much time, and you got to find. If you find anything that resembles, okay, I think I have to work with this, then you just start digging and digging and digging, and hope you can get down there quick enough. So it's it, it's it's a really it's a really unique experience. I think um, I think this came out about a year after the N64 came out, and I think that was one of the first games where I thought, well, I mean, besides Mario, like you know what, this N64 this is going to be really good. For, for puzzle games, like the whole 3D concept. Mm -hmm. Because before I was like, well, you know, Tetris, you don't need that to be in 3D. <laughs> it's Tetris. Right. But this is just, this takes like an original concept and sort of adds a layer of Tetris to it, and it works great. Okay, well, we're going to move on to uh, the next game, which is a listener request. Let's do it.
It's a pretty little song there. Yeah, and it sounds familiar. Hmm. I really have no idea if you've played this game or not. Neither do I, which is the problem. Here's a hint. Uh, yeah, I guess it's a hint. We'll call it a hint question. All right. <laughs> the card battle system in this game is based on what common child's game? Oh, boy. That's... Ah, okay, I'm going to think about this one.
Alrighty. That that third song was not what I expected at all. <laughs> uh, well, I don't know if you know this game. Do you want to take a stab in the dark? <laughs> no. <laughs> Do you even own a 3DS? No, I don't. Okay, well then you definitely haven't played this game. <laughs> this is Attack of the Friday Monsters, requested by Weetrick. I think that's how he wants his name pronounced. Um, yes, yeah, so this is um, this is a game I've had on my list to play for a long time, and um, because I selected uh, this game at Weetrick's request, I, I finally got me to to buy it on the eShop, and uh, it is a very charming little game, I have to say. So it, it's. It's based in, I don't know, 50s or eh, 60s or 70s Tokyo. I'm not really sure exactly when, what the time period is, but it's a period piece, basically. Um, and uh, you're just playing as this little kid, 10-year-old kid, and he's just sort of going around and hanging out with his friends and um, trying to figure out the mystery of why there are monsters in his town. Um, but uh, they're also doing a you know monster TV show in the same town, and he's not able to put two and two together to figure out it's one of the same thing. Uh, I, far, I mean, I haven't finished the. I'm only like an hour in, but it, it's kind of obvious that's what's going on to the uh, dramatic irony going on there, right? For you know the, the the older player maybe knows stuff that the character that you're playing as doesn't. Um, so that's kind of cool. It's a kind of an interesting dynamic there. Um, and although it's you know it's, it's a very confined and short game, it's, that's one reason I didn't buy it right away is because I heard it was really short. But it has such a great sense of place. The uh, the, the scenery is kind of mostly hand drawn, and it's it's kind of Resident Evil style where they um, have the rendered characters on top of the backgrounds. Okay. So there's a little bit of the funky. I'm not going to say tank controls, but you know you walk into a room, you don't know what direction up is anymore. Um, but it's all put together very well, and, and the audio design is really cool because you'll walk into a room and maybe the TV will be playing in the background, and you know they have it placed in the stereo, you know, um, stereoscopic audio, just you know, so it's like, oh yeah, it's over in the corner, and just lots of little touches to, um, you know, the, the background sound effects that uh, just really give it like a, a really sense of a rural town just outside of Tokyo. It's it's pretty cool. One thing Weetrick pointed out uh, when you requested this game was that the lyrics for that theme song that you heard are actually really funny. It's just sort of awkward, super literal uh, translation and super literal um, meaning. I think even in Japanese, it's supposed to be funny. Uh, you know, the lyrics are, I'm a kid. I'm only 10 years old. My mom and my dad like me. It's just like really weird. I don't know. It's funny when you see it in, in the game. It just it, it it's pretty funny. So um, it's the first thing you see in the game, and it really does set the stage pretty well. I don't know if you you know anything about this game, Wendy. No, no, uh, I don't. It, what type of game is it? Is it like a Resident Evil, just without the shooting the zombies part? Is it kind of, that kind of exploration part of it? Sort of. Yeah, that's that's maybe a one touchstone. You're just sort of walking around and and going uh, to progress the story. It, in a way, it's it's sort of like Phoenix right now that when you're walking around like Resident Evil style, but the game is basically going and talking to characters and moving the plot forward. Oh, I see. So it's sort of like just a, you're experiencing the story in this 
novel. Yeah, it's, it's essentially a visual novel. It's just that it, the engine's a little more complicated than that, so you're walking around to get from place to place. Okay, I see. But there is this mini game embedded within it that's a, a simple card game where you, you collect battle cards as you're exploring, basically picking up doodads lying on the ground. Um, that part, they don't really explain how you get from collecting ten shiny objects on the ground to having a card. I, but whatever. Um, <laughs> you know, you have, once you have five cards, you can play against one of your other uh, schoolmate friends. And, um, and it's basically rock, paper, scissors. Uh, Rochambeau, John Ken, whatever you want to call it. And you place five down, they place five down, and, and it's kind of like five batches of John Ken. And the one other wrinkle is that it's, it's a little bit like Poker World. Give you, the game will give you a hint as to um, if you're winning or losing some of the matches, not all of them, but some of them. And so from there you can kind of deduce, well, if I swap these two cards, you can swap two cards um, before the final battle basically so, so it's a little bit like poker beforehand it's a little bit saying. like poker yeah you don't, you don't but instead of you know discarding and getting new cards you can just swap and swap two cards so it's it's a pretty simple game but it, you know it's really just sort of meant to be a little diversion i think it probably is required for the plot at some point but i don't think it's a big part of the game um it's uh, just a you know mix things up, I think. Yeah, just to give you something else to do while you're advancing the story along. Yeah, yeah, but the, the real charm is in the, the visual style and and just the writing. There's some clever stuff where, you know, he'll say something because he doesn't quite understand what's going on, you know, that an adult would understand. Uh, the one thing I found that's kind of weird, uh, probably not that uncommon, but maybe we just don't see it here in the West that often, there there's a narrator, and there's actually a lot of audio, and it's a lot of narration. Um, but sometimes the narration is kind of third person. Sometimes it's at least the translation of it. It's all in Japanese, but the, the writing, you know, that goes along with the narration. Um, sometimes it's saying it in second person. Like say, "Oh, you found this." Other times it's saying, "Oh, uh, Sato found this," and and sometimes it's phrased such that. It sounds like the narrator is kind of talking for Sato, but other times it's the narrator is not. And so at first I wasn't even sure if the voice I was hearing was Sato's voice or if, I don't think it is. It's the narrator and, and maybe there's another character that maybe the one character that is also the narrator. I'm not sure, but it, it's kind of confusing. And, and maybe it's because they didn't have budget for multiple voice actors, but it, it to me it's a little distracting. I mean, it's nice that they have it, but it's also... Maybe I'm, you know, maybe it was just a culture clash here, and I'm not as accepting of how they approach this as, as I, you know, as other people might be. So it's not like a like a poetic kind of thing. If you're just thinking that they didn't they stay consistent, I haven't been able to figure out the the, the trend. I think they're a little inconsistent, and um, it's cute. I mean, it, it, I guess they're going for kind of like a. You know, someone reading a storybook and then, you know, also in some points, you know, reacting to the story. What? What's going on here? Oh, you found this. You know, you see a little bit of that in like Pokemon in the writing. Every once in a while, you walk around, you find like, oh, wow, you found this, right? But to have the vocal narration for all of it just gives it another layer that I, I'm not going to say dislike it. It's just different, you know, but the, the whole, it's a very Japanese game. I mean, very, very much um, playing to nostalgia of people in Japan maybe 40 years ago. I don't know. You know what? I like that we have a phrase that it's a very Japanese game. 
It is. I don't. I can't think of a more Japanese game than this. I mean, it, and it doesn't hide it all. It's localized, but it, I mean, it is. It isn't like Phoenix Wright where they're insisting that they're, you know, based in Los Angeles or anything. I mean, it, it is rural Tokyo. It is, they are budgeting, okay, I'm, you know, you can get from here to Shinjuku Station or whatever. You know, Shinjuku comes up a couple of times. And it's, I mean, it doesn't hide it, but it is very Japanese. Right? And they didn't try to, you know, they, they minimally localized it. I'm not going to say they sloppily localized They minimally localized it. They, they kept the audio, which, which is cool. I mean, it, it probably gives it a more authentic vibe. Right. So uh, I do recommend this game. I don't let that one negative point that I'm poorly ranting on uh, dissuade you. If you never picked this up, if you passed on it, uh, I really, you know, it just grabbed me right away. Um, I paid eight bucks for it. Maybe it goes on sale. I probably should have waited for a sale, but I didn't. I, I can't tell you right now whether it's worth eight bucks or not because I've only played for an hour. But it, it certainly is, um, I don't know, it's just a very striking game. Very memorable game. So I would not be surprised if I want to go back in three years and play it kind of like I do with the Phoenix Wright game. So, yeah, Attack of the Friday Monsters. Thank you, Weetrick, for that request. Well, I got one last game here. And uh, I think Wendy knows what it is. I hope so. Yep, that sure is 8-bit. That's the kind of 8-bit I could listen to forever.
prepare for battle. <laughs> All right, here's your question. What is the name of the damsel in distress from this game? Don't they all have damsels in distress? They do. Right? So it's not much of a hint, is it? It's just one one of those games where there's a damsel in distress. That's that's probably a good hint, though. Wendy, why don't you tell the folks what game this is? This is The Adventures of Bayou Billy for the Nintendo Entertainment System. This is not a game I've seen out in a while, I have to say. You know, I've I looked for it. Anytime I kind of look through like uh, the NES games at the game shop, I'm like, you know what? I want this game. But it's kind of tricky that I, if I could get it because um, it's a zapper optional game. It's, it's it's a very interesting game in that it's sort of three games in one. It's got the standard kind of side scroll or beat 'em up as yeah, was the style in that Ninja game. Turtles. Yeah, and then there was also driving levels, kind of like Rad Racer, and then there were also shooting gallery levels, basically where bad guys could drop down and shoot them. It was optional, so you didn't need a zapper to actually play those game those levels. But I mean. How do you zapper, play those levels without a zapper? It's just you move the uh, cursor around and shoot with the D-pad okay. kind of thing. I mean, not as fun. So, yeah. but um, yeah, actually, uh, I, I remember playing this game, and I think um, like I, I played the first level, and I got to the second level, and I had no idea what was going on. I, like people were shooting me, and I was dying, and that's because <laughs> like I, I I selected on the main menu, you, you select which one you want to do, like zapper gameplay or regular gameplay. Oh. And I was like dying on the second level over again. Like, what the heck's going on here? What do I do? And without me realizing it, I picked you know, the zapper gun, so I needed a zapper. I didn't have one, so I was just getting murdered. Uh, but yeah, a Konami game, as you might, some of you might have surmised through the sound. Love that Konami sound. And it's it's okay. You know, there are better games out there, but I just liked it for the uh, the novelty of it being kind of every game rolled into one. 
Yeah. And the, the reason, too, this game's kind of stuck in my memories is this sort of a... Uh, if, if you remember the Crocodile Dundee movies... Yes. Yeah, it's basically a, a ripoff of that. Yes, it most certainly is. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I was like, I think Bayou Billy. I always, I always wanted to go back and finish that one of these days. So uh, if I ever find that, I'll, I'll, I'll buy that. I've been rounding up my, uh, I've been growing my NES and SNES collection lately. So uh, I hope to add that one one day. I'm surprised this never came out on Virtual Console. I know that Zapper wouldn't be compatible, but if you can play with the controller... Um, I mean, Konami was one of the more active participants in Virtual Console, so... I'm a little surprised. Well, were there Zapper games before Duck Hunt came out on Virtual Console? No. So. But again, if, if this game doesn't require the Zapper, then they could probably just say, yeah, well... Oh, yeah, yeah. You don't support the Zapper. Yeah, but now that it kind of sort of half does, wouldn't it be nice if they maybe put that in there? Does it, though? Did, I thought Duck Hunt might have been re-implemented yeah, uh, yeah. for Wii U. Yeah, I mean, that, you just use the Wii Remote, and there's a big old cursor on the screen, so it's obviously nothing like the old Zapper, where you just put it up against the CRT TV and you pull the trigger like everybody cheated. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm just saying, I'm not sure that they're even emulating an NES when you play Duck Hunt for Wii U. Oh, whoa, I see what you're saying. So they just basically retooled it, and it's basically a, a Wii game, a Wii U game. Yeah, yeah, I think that may be what's going on there, but I'm not sure. I, you know, I, I haven't peeked under the hood. I don't know how to peek under the hood. So uh, I thought I read something somewhere uh, indicating that might be the case. But yeah, Bio Billy, uh, you are rescuing a damsel in distress. The cutscenes are actually kind of detailed. You can um, see some cleavage in the. <laughs> The artwork there. I think they, I think they tone that down in different regions, actually. Really? Okay. Well, the, the version I saw online uh, did not have it toned down. Well, of course not. Yeah. But uh, do you remember the name of that person, the the lady that uh, you're rescuing? Uh, Ann, Ann something. Oh, yeah. I'll give it to you, Annabelle. Oh. Yeah, that's a that sounds like somebody you need to rescue. You know, actually, I was thinking about this. I was listening to the last couple of episodes, and you had some beat-em-ups is, is something we come across all the time. And that's really the whole plot, is that some somebody's girlfriend or somebody's sister or somebody's mom or somebody's somebody gets knocked out yeah. and dragged away and you have to go rescue them. I suppose yeah. that's really, you know, love and rage and, uh, give me my girl back. That's... <laughs> you think they could have come up with yeah, other plots? That's, a little that's more your point. Varied. Someone's out to start a nuclear war, and you have to punch your way through to get to their secret base. Well, I will. That, actually, that would work just as well. Now that I think about this, there was one game where they didn't quite go with the the girl's been rescued. Because are you know are you a bad enough dude to rescue the president from ninjas? <laughs> <laughs> okay, well it's a little different. Yeah, it's a little different. Not not. You know, they're sticking close to the source material there. Yeah, but still, like, somebody gets knocked out or kidnapped and you gotta go rescue them. Come on, guys, do better yeah. than that. Yep. Alright, well, that's gonna wrap up this episode, Wendy. Thank you for coming on. Yeah, anytime. You wanna plug your uh, roller derby expeditions? Maybe just a little bit? Kind oh, sure, of? yeah. So, um, if you remember last time I was on, I said I was working on my new website, and uh, now it is up. 
So if you uh, are interested in anything Roller Derby, you can check uh, me out at RollerDerbyNotes.com. Oh boy. So, so what can folks read about? Can they read about different teams? Can they see videos of the games? Well, what, what else can we find on your site? Well, it's mostly just um, news and uh, commentary and analysis. And, you know, I'm, I'm sort of a uh, secondary to all the big you know, news websites. So there's like ESPN, and I'm not that. I'm sort of like the 538 or Grantland, if you're familiar with those some ancillary sites. So that's what I'm kind of going for. It's just supplementary technical fancy knowledge like that. You're a pundit, basically, for roller derby. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> That's a good word. Yes, I think I think I qualify as a pundit. All right. Well, you can check that out on rollerderbynotes.com, and uh, keep reading written Nintendo World Report and listen to our podcast, Radio Free Nintendo. Uh, I guess I'll plug. I was recently on an episode of Nintendo News Report. That's uh, the video uh, weekly show that that uh, Alex Galapi and Scott Thompson. Uh, put on. You can find the episode I'm on. Uh, it's from February 19th, and we talk about uh, the recent uh, annual, uh, I guess, like the stockholders meeting where, where Iwata uh, addresses the fiscal situation. And, uh, they, you know, they revealed a couple of things like the amiibos are going to be used for demos uh, of old games. So that, that, you know, that was a cool little 40 minute conversation there. So, you can check that out on NintendoWorldReport.com. Brings back memories of the old uh, Game Boy Advance e-reader. It really does. History just keeps repeating itself. This is Nintendo. Of course it does. How they make money is their history. <laughs> All right. Well, that's going to have to be the end of the show, guys. See you next time. Thanks for having me. Bye-bye, everybody. is copyright 2008 Electronic Arts. Super Star Wars Return of the Jedi is copyright 1994 LucasArts Entertainment. Petrosphere is copyright 1997 Nintendo. Attack of the Friday Monsters is copyright 2013 Level 5 Millennium Kitchen. The Adventures of Bayou Billy is copyright 1989 Konami. Good.